version, Paul sat down or, or possibly um, uh, had someone uh, dictate or he dictated a letter to the Romans. Now, contrary to Bible order or what we sometimes call canonical order, Romans is shoved to the very front of all of Paul's other letters despite the fact that it was not written first according to most scholars. So why is it that Roman runs to the very front of our list? Well, quite simply, Romans is a masterpiece. It's considered by many the gospel according to Paul. The first 11 chapters delve deeply into the theology of the gospel of Jesus Christ, leaving the last five chapters as this application for the Romans of that time and even for us today. Many have said that Romans is so comprehensive that if you could only have one book of the New Testament to look at, Romans would be that one. And so how does this masterpiece of a letter start out? Well, it's not quite as warm and fuzzy as we might hope. Paul begins his argument in chapter 1 with the first of God was being revealed, and he gave them over to their sinful desires for the degrading of their bodies. He continues on, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, of murder, of strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, and no mercy. That's a pretty tough way to start out a letter, isn't I don't think many people would want to read on, except for one group possibly found a little comfort in Romans chapter 1. It would have been the Jews, because as the Jews heard this letter, they knew that this was an indictment against the godless Gentiles of their time. And they were probably saying, you go Paul, that's right, tell those Gentiles that they have no idea what they're doing. They invent ways of doing evil. Unfortunately for the Jews, however, there's a Romans chapter 2. And Paul writes this to them. He says, you who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not rob, that commit adultery, do they commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you not rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking their law? Well, now Paul has pretty much offended everyone. 
He began his letter going after the Gentiles, listing all the things that they had done wrong. And after the Jews thought that they had missed out on that and they were safe, he goes after them and says, you who think the law is so important, you're dishonoring God. But Paul wants to make sure he's caught everybody. So in chapter 3, he says this, in case they didn't feel like they fit with the Jews or the Gentiles, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one was left out from this condemnation. And then we have chapter 4, where Paul tells us about faith. And then in chapter 5, he ramps it up and he talks about a big word, justification. Which justification, easily defined is just as if I had never sinned. Well, how can it be that these godless Gentiles and these unfaithful Jews could be justified? They were justified by faith. And in chapter 6, it talks about in Jesus Christ. Because for the wages of sin is death, Paul writes, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Finally, we're getting some good news. It took a long time, but Paul got us to the fact that we were broken and we were sinful, but Jesus saves us. Unfortunately though, for those of us who have been on the path following Jesus, it's not an easy one. And Paul makes this great confession that I love in chapter 7. He says, I have the desire to do what is good but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So who wins this spiritual wrestling match that Paul talks about in chapter 7? Well, listen to chapter 8. It's possibly the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. Listen to what he says. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you see what Paul was saying here? Like, God gave his very best. So why would He not give us other things that are important but don't really match up to the sacrifice of Jesus? Is God going to take care of me? Will God provide for me? Will, will God get me through this difficult time? Is God with me right now? Paul says, hey, if God gave His Son for you the biggest, best, and most wonderful thing in the world, do you think that He won't give you other things as well? And I love this. He says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble? Or hardship? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? No. In all things... We are more than conquerors 
for Him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the church said... Amen. Well, amen. You know, amen is like a Greek word. It means like, that's true. That's right. Or, or you, you say that. So we might say amen. We might say yes. We might say hallelujah. Are you getting this? Romans says we are worthless. We're no good. We're sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But Paul continues and says, but because of Jesus Christ, you have a life, eternal life. Yes. Right? Amen. I know we I know we like to come here and sit in the purple pews. They're comfortable and it's nice and we feel good and it's it's what we do. But don't forget, this is a radical change from where you were. You were lost and broken and dead in your sin, and Jesus came and he gave you life and he fixed you and he calls you into his family. And there is nothing. You get that there is nothing you can do that will ever stop God from loving you. There's no place you can go. Nothing that you can do or say that Jesus is going to say, you know what, that's it, I'm giving up. I'm done with Him. I used to love GW, but not anymore. No. He loves us over and over and over again. So Romans chapter 8. What does that mean for us? It means we're saved through faith in Jesus. Okay, I get that. But what does that mean? It means that we lived as saved people. Not as guys falling people. Not as Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. You know Eeyore. Everything bad is always happening with Eeyore. Nothing good is going on with Eeyore. We're not complacent. We're not loathsome. We're not angry or belligerent. We're not mad at the world or angry at the government. We're not upset with our position in life or wish that we had more than what we have. We lived as saved people no matter what is going on right now. Nothing can take away the promise that Jesus has for all of us. One more time, what do we say? Amen. We say yes, that's true. Nothing is going to happen. You may have a wonderful job and you may walk in tomorrow and they give you the slip and say, you're done. They can't take the promise of Jesus from you. No matter what is going on in your life, we lived, we lived saved and we lived to serve God and to help save others. But Romans not done with chapter 8. It's going to keep going on 9, 10, 11, and then we jump to 12. Now 8 is probably considered the greatest chapter in all of the, the Bible, but 12, now that's my favorite. 12 is where the rubber meets the road. It's where flesh come onto the bones. We have this idea, we have this 
theology, but 12, it really comes together. Paul opens it up and he says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, because of what He has done for you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't be like everybody else. Don't sit around and read the newspaper and watch Fox News and decide that everything terrible is going on. But don't also put your hopes in your next vacation and in your retirement. Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And once you do that, you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How does this look for us? He says, for by the grace given to me... I say to every one of you, don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with a measure of faith that God has given. Now this is where it's really important. Hang with me here. If I've lost you, come back in. Listen to this right here. I think this is such a powerful analogy that Paul uses. He says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's kind of weird, isn't it? That each one of us forms a different function within the body, and yet we all belong to each other. You know, I love the analogy about smashing your thumb. I don't like to do it, but I like to talk about what it happens when it's done. Has anybody ever smashed your thumb before? Anytime I pick up a hammer, I smash my thumb. Okay, and so you, sm- you smash your thumb, right? What happens? Like, here's what happens when I smash my thumb. It's usually my left thumb because I'm holding the hammer in the right. I drop the hammer and I point to the thumb and go, ha, 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 it's you again. It's, look, I feel really good, but you're terrible, right? Is that what we do? The hammer does drop. Hopefully not on my foot, but sometimes that happens too. The hammer goes out, right hand, which is not hurting. Right hand feels no pain, but right hand recognizes because it's close to the left hand. They talk. They know each other, okay? And it comes in and says, oh man, you must hurt. I'm going to get you and I'm going to hold you, okay? So that's the first thing. Then what happens to the arms? The arms say, let's come bring you in. This does not help the pain. But somehow we think it does. So we bring the arms in and the stomach, again, is not in pain. The stomach could be saying, oh, I feel really good. You know, I just had roses. Things are going good right now. But instead, it's focusing on the pain of the, the thumb. So it comes in. The back doubles over. And the leg, not wanting to be left out, draws up and in. Someone would think that you might be a soccer player. Because one little nick and the whole body is flailing about. You have one thumb in every part of the body. And then the, the mouth. Make sure everybody knows. It sends out a proclamation. One is hopefully worthy of a Sunday morning sermon. It says something like, ouch, that hurt. 
And everything is working all together for the sake of one little thumb. The right hand doesn't have to do anything. The leg doesn't have to do anything. But everything comes together and says, I know you're hurting. I'm surrounding you. I can't take away the pain. But I want you to know that I'm as close as I can and I'm right here and I I feel your pain. That's the body. That's who we are. We look at each other. We talk to each other. We break bread together as in the form of communion, but we break bread together when we come and we sit beside each other and we look at each other and we talk about each other. And occasionally there will be that very special moment when you ask somebody how they're doing and you actually mean it and they actually respond accordingly. And there's that moment when they say, I'm really struggling. It's Last week was a year ago that I lost my spouse. And this was a really tough week for me. And you can't take away their pain, but you wrap around them and you bring them in and you draw them close and you bear their burdens and you say, I'm, I'm right here with you. And we can celebrate together because we're a family, we're a unit, we're a body, and we do it all together. And then he goes on to say this. We all have different gifts. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in accordance with his faith. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's serving, let him encourage. I mean, if it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is giving to the needs of others, let him do it generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Paul saying, okay, we were lost, we were broken, Jesus has saved us, He's redeemed us, and so what do we do? We act family we act like a body and we come in and we love and we protect each other and when we worship God in different ways praise God that we do different ways okay so what does that mean for us in Hobbs in 2018 well it looks a little bit like this it's kind of hard to tell from that picture but that's the inside of a vehicle that vehicle is pointed west and it is about oh it's probably a seven, eight hundred, six hundred mile journey in which this vehicle and the one in front of it and the one behind it's headed to Tuba City, Arizona. This part of what the body looks like that Paul was talking about in Romans twelve. We made the, the trek uh, early on a Monday morning. We got up uh, early, early, early. We got here around 6 o'clock. We loaded up the trailer and before we did anything beyond that, we got in a group and we started our, our devotional talk. And it was a special time we had together. That was more important than conquering the road. We then got on the road, headed west, and we ended up here. I am sad to say of, of the 250 pictures that we had, this is the only one I could find that had their auditorium sanctuary there. Actually, as you can tell, taken from the outside, can see through the mini blinds but we met there every morning and every evening to spend some time in devotional and praise and reading the scripture and in discussion it was really powerful 
Uh, that's not the only thing that we did there. That was kind of our mountaintop experience, but we spent uh, time on other parts of the mountain. Uh, this here uh, is a forest uh, that we went to uh, just outside of Flagstaff. Uh, Tuba City uh, had the very special privilege of being the only group that is allowed into that forest. Uh, the forest department, the fire department, they go through and they thin the trees. They want to get rid of the dead ones. And then they want to clear room uh, for to help prevent fires. So they go through and they cut up logs. And those logs are laying on the ground. And they have allowed Tuba City to go in free. They're the only ones. They get to go in there and they get to pull out these logs. And we'll talk about why they do that. So... Uh, here's some logs that are being put on some carts. Uh, these carts were ordered from Amazon, shipped to Tuba City. We got there, we put them together, and we left. They stayed there. And so they're going to be able to continue to use those. Those were an amazing blessing. Some of you, Rusty Taylor, may not remember what life was like before the wheel. But man, those things roll so much better than the square. But I mean, just... Just something to think about. Uh, then the logs had to be hauled up this ramp. The ramp went to a big Penske truck uh, that, that we rented just for the sole purpose of putting logs, putting woods in it. And this is what it looks like. Uh, apparently one of the two people in this picture is working uh, and smiling. Uh, the other one is not doing as much of anything, but we do a picture of them. Uh, we were told, don't think that we're slackers because we didn't stack it to the top. Pinsky said if you stack it to the top, bad things will happen. That will weigh down uh, the truck too much. We took that to heart. The group after us didn't. They filled it to the top. It broke the axle, tore up the tires, and left that thing in a mess on the side of the road. So uh, we, we, listened, we followed the law uh, and we loaded up. I think it's 22 foot. Is that right? 22 feet. The, I mean, there, there's more weight in those logs than you could ever get in furniture in one of those things. So we loaded that thing up. Uh, then we repeated. We went back out into the forest with our carts uh, and began doing that some more. Some of the logs we had to gather up, and this will be a little overwhelming to you. Some of them were just sitting, just huge sections. Tons, literally tons and tons uh, of these cut up logs uh, that we took. Uh, they were hauled back and process was uh, repeated. Uh, we did take a break on the mountain and people would have a chance to sit down uh, and eat a little bit because uh, it was a two-hour drive up to get the logs, load up the, the, the truck, drive the two hours back, and then unload them. It was exhausting work, to say the least. Uh, I actually got out of that this year. I wanted to be a part of it, but I was stuck on another job. Uh, but I, I got to come back and help a little bit with them unloading it. It is, it's, it's tough work. Um, this is something Lance does so well. Uh, he, he understands Romans chapter 12 and us working as a body. Uh, I don't know that the youth group does anything that a, an assembly line is not somehow involved in it. Uh, and so there's an assembly line of, of loading uh, the truck at the time. Here's some of the logs that were brought back. This represents probably about one-tenth of the amount of logs that they need. So you're asking, why do we have all these, these logs? Why are they collecting them? Well, uh, these logs are going to be split up. Uh, and, and this is a very, very, very poor community. Most people don't have any type of conditioning and have no heating. And so when the uh, wintertime comes, the only way they can heat their houses and stay alive is by the wood 
stove. So, uh, Tuba City Church of Christ, they will either uh, donate the wood to uh, poor families or, or they'll sell them at a discounted rate and the money that they use helps them in their mission work uh, and keeping their doors open as well. And so, it is, uh, it is uh, so important to have this, this wood available uh, for the folks in Tuba City. But we didn't do just haul logs. We spent some time doing a little sightseeing. This is one of the places that we stayed. There's Kip and Callie. Um, looking like they're about to fly um, off the edge of that rock, but they kept their feet on the ground. Uh, here's another picture of it. Uh, this is Coal Mine Canyon. Uh, we went up there uh, for a, a devotional and some sightseeing and to throw rocks. There's nothing like looking at a cavern, uh, this hole um, that you just throw rocks off and you can't hardly see them hit the ground. It was, it was great fun and all completely legal. We didn't hurt anybody uh, doing that. Uh, we also, when we were there, had some opportunities to spend some solo time. And we would uh, give people an opportunity to go and sit and be alone and just say, hey, the next 30 minutes, they're between you and God. Um, you spend them uh, how you choose, but, but do it by yourself. Uh, and a lot of people talked about how that was just really special for them. Uh, we had a, a movie night on Wednesday night. We invited the whole community. They throw it up on Facebook and say, hey, come and watch a movie. Uh, we watched a, a Disney movie. Uh, people gathered up. And then we do what this church does just about as good as anybody else people. Uh, and so we uh, cooked Lance, uh, cooked I think 150 hamburgers and a bunch of hot dogs. This is after he got through unloading the truck uh, and they did a fantastic job uh, feeding those folks. Here's one of the young men that was with us. Um, remember this is summertime, it's late June, it's hot and that's what he has to wear. Uh, those uh, coveralls don't, don't come close to fit. Um, that he has them rolled up probably about a foot. Uh, and this next picture I just wanted to throw in because it's kind of awkward. Uh, we have Haley behind with a deer in the head look. That poor kid's smiling now. He won't be in about two seconds. Uh, but she, she snuck up behind him on accident. Uh, here's a, another picture. Of course, Sammy and Judy Abney. Uh, uh, between them is Tyler. I can't pronounce his last name. That's not super important. Some of you know him. He came here. Uh, he's kind of a millennial. He kind of dresses a little bit like one. Um, that's, that's really where uh, that uh, ends. He is unlike almost anyone else I ever know. He's from Portland, Oregon. Came from a very, very tough background. And he loves the Lord. Uh, and he, he left the modern, hip Portland, Oregon to go to Tuba City. He signed a five-year agreement to minister to the Native Americans there, uh, to the Navajo and Hopi tribes. And he's in just the, I'm saying this as nice as I can, the armpit of America. I mean, it is just a tough place. There's not a lot there. People are in tough times. And he's working through the culture. Uh, and we're just so fired up about his work. Behind them all are some curtains uh, that Judy sewed up for him, uh, for his uh, hope on. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, uh, really, this just gives you an idea. When I see something like this, it reminds me of, of the song... How can you say there is no God when all creation around us calls? Uh, and it was just beautiful. I don't know, we didn't go to the Grand Canyon this year, we went last year. But even just seeing the different places we saw, it is just unfathomable. 
uh, to see all, all the view that was there. Uh, we, we hauled wood. We also renovated a Hogan. Uh, there was a group that came in before us. A Hogan is an eight-sided room. I would say it's probably about 25 feet wide. If you look at it from the top, it looks like a stop sign. It's open. There were a bunch of bunks in there that we actually had made last year. We pulled. They pulled the bunk beds out. They built a wall right in the middle, and they started uh, with the plumbing and the electric. Uh, we came in. Uh, put in the toilet, the showers, the sinks, uh, refrigerator, hung cabinets, finish out the electric, painted, um, hung lights, all that stuff, basically to get that thing finished. And we were able to do that, again, uh, because of what the body did. Here's, here's a small portion of that went. There were 20 of us uh, who went. We were only representing a larger portion of people uh, there. Uh, and it all started... Romans chapter 12, it's right here. I don't know if you remember about two months ago, Sammy Abney came up here and he was sharing a, about a quilt that they had made and he was talking about the path in which we go on and, you know, we have different struggles on each side and it's not always straight and easy, but we follow it. Um, we then auctioned off um, that quilt uh, and there was a, a bidding war between two very special people here uh, and when it got to $2,000, Sammy said, hey, um, if you'll buy it for $2,000, i will make a second one, and you, will you buy it for $2,000? And they both agreed to it. Uh, and so we had those uh, sold. We auctioned off people. I know that's probably not legal uh, in a lot of places, but we auctioned off a lot of teenagers uh, to babysit. Uh, we auctioned off different items that people had made. We auctioned off some food. We auctioned off a lot of different things. And get this, I mean, I still, as I was going back over my sermon this morning, like, I, I was tearing up and had chills thinking about this. In one day, because of the generosity of the people who donated items and the generosity of people who bid on items, this body raised $15,000 Cuba City. Folks, that's incredible. I'm, I'm deeply sad that not all of you got to go and look into the eyes of those Navajo people as we attempted to bless them in the different ways that we could. But all of you were a part of this. Some of you have the gift of sowing. If it's sowing, let them sow. Some of you have the gift of singing. Sing away. Some of you have the gift of feeding other people, of donating things, of giving generously, of showing mercy. As a group of people, thank you for being willing to share your gift. Thank you for allowing Romans chapter 12 to come to life as we traveled there and back. That's what the body does. We come together and we surround each other. And on days when we don't smash a thumb, but we kick a goal, the rest of the body celebrates together what that foot did. Because we all work together. This morning, I, I can't say it enough. But if I could just look into the eyes of every one of you, I just want to say, thank you. I am so proud to get to be a member of this body.
Thank you for living out Romans 12 for my family, for the group that went, and for all of us as we've gone through some ups and downs. My prayer is that we will continue to live like Jesus because we were saved by Him. And let us continue to be the body that loves and serves and points to our Jesus. For those of you who don't know Jesus, I want you to know He can transform your life entirely. He can take away the worry and the pain and the sorrow and He will sit with you in every instance of your life and He'll be with you. This morning I want to encourage you to come to know the Jesus who has called us and who has redeemed us and who has saved us. If we can help you in way, please come as we stand and sing.